Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. What an honor. Thank you so much. Boy, I'm excited to be here this morning, this week. I'm telling you, just yet, yesterday, man, my wife and I, our cup's been filled and overflowing. I feel like, uh, really, it's like a family reunion uh, for my wife and I, just seeing some folks, uh, some that we hadn't seen in some time. Of course, I, I go back even further. Some, for some of you that have uh, been here a little longer, when I was a, a new pastor, a young pastor at 29 years old in North Carolina, I came brought some of our men for the soul winning clinic back in 99 and 2000 and and uh so but again we've just we're just so thrilled so honored uh to be here see a lot of folks i saw johnny and uh, i didn't see johnny i saw michelle ospina last night i remember them when they were kids growing up in new jersey and uh you got that right didn't you and uh but and so many oh my lands people and of course i love so so much brother moore just one of my heroes and that, I mean, that's going to tell you how old Brother Moore is when I tell you that he was one of my teachers in college. As Brother Ashcraft said last, last night, back in 19, none of your business. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but Brother Doster, faithful pastor in New Jersey. Boy, I go around this room, Mrs. Combest. Boy, we love the Combests. Been dear friends for many years. And again, I'm just, we're humbled, we're excited, we're honored. Uh, to be here, talk a little more about the Gospel Crusades and, and the, uh, the potential and what, what God is doing in New England um, with the, the possibility, the potential really, as Brother Gray just said, really for, for us to be willing uh, to, to come back to something that we, I think we believed, in. and really it goes back to the Bible, which is most important, uh, this idea of going from city to city like the Apostle Paul did. We need more Pauls today. We need more we need a lot more of those that will go somewhere and stay. We need a lot of that. But we also need some Pauls. And I understand it's not our culture here in America, but we're not, we don't let cultural relevance dictate for us what we should do. We let the Bible dictate that for us, right? So I'm fired up this morning. I'm ready to go. But what I like to do is when I'm in uh, youth meetings, I love teenagers and college students. And the rest of you, you're just a little bit important too, amen? But... <laughs> Love college kids. I've worked in college ministry for about 10 years. Love it. Seeing y'all on the front here, excited for you. And then teenagers love working with youth. And uh, so I'm going to have a couple sword drills. I got the preacher's permission. Now, now this is, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, you know, I did this. I was in with Brother Kevin Wynn about six or seven years ago. I was at the college. And I, I, I don't usually do sword drills with college students because you don't want, like, gift cards to coffee places. You don't really care about that. You're... You're fasting for peace in Jerusalem, so you don't really care about that. But, but, um, but I was at Brother Kevin Wins preaching in the college chapel, and I, I just made a big mistake. I said, I'm going to give a $20 bill to, uh, I don't know if, how many of you have ever been there, but of course, I know Brother Moore has probably many times, but huge. I mean, it's just huge there. And I, I didn't have no idea, man. I'm, I'm telling you, a gang war broke out for that $20 bill. It was just, it was really cool, actually. It was really awesome. But anyway... But I didn't realize $20 is like half a million there, you know. They're ready to build the next church building there, you know. So uh, I don't have cash because I am a missionary, so I'm light on money. I've got a couple of pieces of bread here in the pulpit and some, I got a bottle of water this dear lady gave to me on my way in here. But 
But no, I do. I've got two. Give. I'm going to work. I'm going to do this for the teenagers. All right. Now here's. I don't know how y'all do sword drills down here in Texas, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how we do it. I give you the reference. You say it back to me when I say charge. That's when you go. All right. When if you cheat, uh, the the um, the fleas of a, a thousand elephants are going to infest your armpits. All right. So you don't want that to happen. Right. Don't think too hard about that. It'll hurt you. But. So, but uh, just teenagers, just teenagers. So if you're here and you're 19 and you were left back a couple times, if you're still in high school, you count, amen, all right? I've got, now this is a burden I've got. I've, I've loved everything about being here, but there's no Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm, I'm in withdrawals, and I'm just going to say it. I know I'm already dividing the assembly here, but it's okay, and if I perish, I perish. But, but the, uh, so I've got Starbucks. Use this for at least one drink. All right, at least one drink, you can do it, all right? And then, I don't know this place. I just drove through the drive-thru, and I asked the girl for a, qu a gift card. I don't know if there's any money on it, but she gave it to me very kindly. But now there's $20 on this one. This, what's this place called? Seven, uh... Sounds like, a, sounds like a beer distributor or something, you know? Se seven Brew. We're having revival in England. We don't have this kind of a place around there, all right? So... I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to keep this. If nobody even wins, it's, it's getting put on the altar here, all right? So, all right, so just the high schoolers, just college students, don't take it personal. I've got, a, I've got an idea for you uh, sometime. All right, high schoolers, get your swords up. Get your swords up. High schoolers, junior high, all the way, 7th through 12th grade. Let's get uh, my good buddy right up here. He's, he's got his sword up, all right? Now, no cheating, even if you have uh, the tabs, all right? I know some of you now, if you've got the tab Bible, you're thanking God, Amen. We'll do two of them here. I will do two of them, right? I'll give you a reference. I say, you say the reference back to me. When I say charge, that's when you start, all right? No, that's what they did in Mexico. They cheated. Guys were like, you know, that's a, that's a sin, right? Okay, so keep your swords up, right? Let me give you a reference here. Here we go. Job 17.1. The only guy that follows instructions right here, the walking Bible up here. Amazing. One more time. Job 17.1. Job 17.1. Charge. Here we go. Here we go. Job 17.1. Whoever reads this, this is your life verse. Oh, there it is. I didn't know it was going to be a precious young lady. She said, read that verse again like, you, like you're a man, like you're Elijah in the Old Testament. Read it for us. Here we go. Go ahead. Amen. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage, you know. And uh, I don't, I'm not saying your breath is corrupt. We're far enough away, I wouldn't know that. But all right, so what do you got? Starbucks or this uh, alcohol place? Which one you got? Which one? This, you're going to take this one? Are you sure? Are you saved? No, I'm just kidding. Come on, come on up. I'm just kidding. Come on up. Hey, let's give her a big hand. This girl's awesome. One more, one more. I got to get to the message. I got to cook it on the stove here. One more, teenagers. Here we go. Here we go. One more. Swords up. I love using that verse. It's a great one. Uh, good. All right. Let's see. 2 Samuel 18 21. Charge. I'm watching. Um, college students are helping. I have no idea. She's just speaking in tongues. We need an interpreter, Pastor. Amen. All right. Come on up, young lady. There you go. Let's give her a big hand. All right. Good job. 
All right. Hey, college students, I'm going to ask you a Bible question. College students, do not look in your Bible, all right? This is like spiritual jeopardy or something like that. Do, do, do. Here we go. 2 Samuel chapter 18. Do not turn there in your Bibles, all right? I'm not going to let the staff and faculty participate because you have the Old Testament memorized. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 18, David had two servants. And we're going to preach on this text. We're going to share this uh, story this morning. Uh, that were uh, coming to give a report to King David about Absalom. All right? If you give me two names, I'll give you $25. If you give me one name, I'll give you 20 One name of the two. Two men. I'll give you a hint. It's in the Bible. All right? Two men that came to King David to give a report on his son Absalom. All right, now first one that can look in your Bible and find it. Hurry up. College students, you can look in your Bible now. You have permit. Yes, sir. Cushai. Cushai. Where were you from? Vermont. Yes, sir. Nebraska. He said Cushai. <laughs> it was close. It's close. It's all good. All right, Cushai. Is that the only one you can remember? That's perfect. All right, $20. Let's give this brother a big hand. Amen. All right, good. Good job, sir. All right, turn your Bibles, please. 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to... We're going to consider an old, hey, Miss Michelle, good to see you. Come on in. Find this young lady. She's from Joyzy. We got to find a seat for her. She gets special privilege, amen? Where's the Long Island girl? Where's pa- Paula? Where is she at? We got to stick together, Long Islanders, amen? Paula? Paula? Paula. Paula. Like power, right? Like Paula, amen? All right, good. All right. Second Samuel chapter 18. This is a very, very interesting story in the Bible to me, and and we're going, to, we're going to look at a story that obviously happened and then make application to us as New Testament believers. And we're not going to really uh, have the time to, if I can give you a little homework assignment, which really we should always give ourselves after we hear the preaching of God's word. As you would know in the book of Acts, they talked about that, that they studied, they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Not that they questioned the preacher, but they wanted to reinforce that which they heard because when we go to church, we believe that the Holy Spirit knows what we need, right? And so we come, we receive the truth, and we take it, and we continue to meditate on it and muse on it and munch on it, bring it back up and munch on it again, right, spiritually. And so it's an Old Testament story, and we're going to make application as New Testament believers. So you'll, you'll get what I, what I mean when I say that. I, the Lord called me to preach 40 years ago. I was 13 years old, another story, but, but 40 years ago, and I am still very much a student of the Bible and, and certainly of this matter of preaching. And so, but I say that because, and I know, of course, Brother Gray and, and you preachers that are in here as well, and this is such a sacred trust. Yay, yes, from this sacred desk, yes, for sure, but obviously even more so from the responsibility to our God uh, to take God's precious word and never, 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 never take it out of context and abuse it. And, and I know we know that, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I say from my heart, I, I, don't, I don't enter into it then with, uh, any any fear except of a fear of the Lord and respect for God and His Word, but um, so I, I want you to know that certainly this it may seem unusual in the beginning how the where the application goes, but you know that it's true if you do your homework then and read Paul's firm instruction to Timothy. Paul's instruction to Timothy was, of course, after he entered into the ministry and encouraged him to continue in those things. And so here you are, college students, and I'm, sp- I'm speaking mostly. Of course, I'm, 
I'm very confident the Holy Spirit will give every one of us something from his word. But I'm speaking especially to you college students. I've been praying for you and thinking about the opportunity and the, the high schoolers. And again, I, I don't want anybody to change channels or turn us off because I said that, but uh, you'll, you'll understand it better as we get into it. Let's, let's go ahead and stand together just for a moment. Second Samuel chapter 18. And let's, I'm going to begin in verse 18 and read through the end of the chapter. There's so much, so much to learn here. You know, there wasn't very many people that really got the heart of King David. Even Joab didn't. You go to the next chapter, and I know I'm way ahead of myself already, and you're wondering what in the world I'm going to read to you here. But I think some of you will be familiar with the story once we look at it. But even Joab really didn't get it. And uh, he endeavored the next chapter to give David a little bit of instruction. You know, you love your enemies and you hate your friends. And that wasn't really the truth. Joab really just didn't get it. And again, that's a whole other sermon itself. But this is a very interesting story in the Bible to me. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, I'll begin. Verse 18 talks about after Absalom dies. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale. And he, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. And it is called unto this day Absalom's place. Then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Now I want you to catch that statement right there. And this is, it's interesting to me, and it's very puzzling to me. So uh, <clears throat> Joab says, uh, gives, says this much to him he has, and says, no, it's, it's not your turn, it's not your place to bring tidings to the king. But he tells him this much, he said, it's not, thou shalt not, because the king's son is dead. Verse uh, 21, then said Joab to Cushai, go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, but howsoever let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings ready? But howsoever said he, Let me run. And he said unto him, Run. Then Ahimeaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai. And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate unto the wall, and lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there be tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, I love these words here. The English teachers in here don't like it, but it's God's precious preserved word, amen. So be respectful to God and his word and deal with it in your English class, amen. But methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok. <laughs> methinketh. And uh, I, I, think, I think it is, you know. And the king said, He is a good man, and cometh with good tidings. And him he has called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king, and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And him he has answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged me this day of all them that rose up against thee. 
And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. Notice verse 33. This is not the message, but notice the response of David. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Probably most of you are familiar with this story. And um, the story is, again, I've said it several times already. It's very interesting to me. Ahimeaz gets to King David first, but here's the message, but he never got the message. Cushai got the message, showed up to King David and gave the report that needed to be given. Ahimeaz got there first, but he never got the message. And the message that I want to preach this morning is get the message. College students, get the message while you're here. I know that's why you're here. I know you want to. And my prayer is that God will use us to encourage you to get the message while you're here. And let's pray together, and then we can be seated. Father, again, I'm so thankful. Just My heart just overflows, filled, just filled and overflowing with joy as my wife and I. Lord, you know we've just talked about it since yesterday. Just, just so, so good to be back, so good to be here. She just always had great love and respect for Brother Gray and just just to watch him love his church last night and love the students and the folks here yesterday. And thank you, Lord, that, that he caught it and he's got it and he's passing it on to his, his family. And, and uh, Lord, uh, so I'm thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful. Lord, I pray that you'd bless these few moments. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill me, fill us, Lord, to receive thy word. I yield myself to you. And I, I want you to help me to say what you once said and and, uh, Lord, that this hour will continue, Lord, just to, to be a great missions conference. And, and may, may somebody and many somebody, especially these young people, even the high schoolers, young people, and would be encouraged, Lord, to get the message while they're young. Make it their own. Uh, not just, Lord, parroting. And I don't think there's any in here that want to do that. But I think that they also recognize, Lord, I know we do as leaders that uh, as Jesus, you said, few there be that find it. And so, Lord, may we be very yielded and sensitive to thee, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Again, it's the most amazing story in the Bible, an interesting story, in that uh, Ahimeaz, as I said, he got there first. And I'm, I'm really puzzled because how in the world, I, I mean, I've read this and studied this, and I, I have some, you know, thoughts about, and again, things that you know, I like what I heard one of my preacher friends say, when God, God's not loud about something, don't be loud about it. And if God's whispering, don't be loud about it, you know. But maybe some of the little intricacies of, you know, what in the world, what happened here? How could Ahimeaz uh, not have been able to give some kind of a report? And I understand there was, some, there was some regimented responsibility, you know. In other words, uh, a servant was given some exact, maybe even most times in writing, some specific instruction or, or message, if you please, to pass on to uh, another, another leader. And of course, in this case, it's the king, hello. And I'm, I'm so moved by that. How in the world could he, he, um, he have not gotten the message? But I'll tell you what Ahimeaz did, though. He got there first. The Bible says he ran past Cushai, and I'm not reading into the fact that all he wanted to do is be the first one there, but whether he wanted to or not, the reality is he got there first, but he didn't have the message. 
And uh, it is possible for us to, as young and even as we get a little older in my age, I'm, I'm just a little bit older than a young person, amen, whatever that is. But it is possible for us to go through the, uh, be in the right place and, and hear the word of God and be in a, a good godly home, and, and, uh, but never get the message. And I'd like us to consider Paul's instruction to Timothy in his letter in 2 Timothy to consider some things about the message that I think would, I believe, I believe and I, I believe is very important, the message to get while you're here. And so I'll have you turn there for an example or two here, and, and uh, certainly we definitely see all these things that are important about the message to get all through the New Testament, but I would say to you this morning, first of all, the message that I think you should get is that the Word of God is the most important possession you'll ever own. The Word of God is the most important possession you will ever own. I memorized a verse when I was a teenager. I'm, by the way, I'm so thankful that I grew up in a church and, and my situation, my home life was, was what it was, and I know it was God's will for me, and I, I understand that. But I am so thankful I had a pastor that loved me and preached the word of God, uh, preached God's word uh, faithfully. But I memorized a verse from the book of Job, and you probably know it, Job 23 and verse 12. It's not my breath is corrupt, like this young lady memorized here a few moments ago. But the verse is, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, for I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Can I get that to you again? Can I encourage you to memorize that verse? Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, for I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So even at 17 years old, I came up with a little saying. I wrote it in my Bible back then. I put it in there. We heard the statement back in the 70s. Some of you may remember this, little, little stickers, no prayer, no power. How many remember that little statement? They had little stickers, little red stickers for that. No prayer, no power. And then I also put another statement in my Bible, no Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. I don't know where the third one come from. This is like almost as powerful as Brother Sage's, like the Borden story, you know, no regrets. The third one, this is, this is spiritual. This will knock your socks off. You ready? No push-ups, no princess. You say, what? You say, say what? It's in the Bible. I read it in a verse at about 3 o'clock in the morning at a 17-year-old. And uh, so that was my, those are my slogans. It's okay. You can laugh at me. It's been happening my whole life. But no prayer, no power, no Bible, no breakfast, no push-ups, no princess. I never did the push-ups, but I got the princess, amen. And uh, I was going to do a little push-up contest with some of you college guys, but nah, some of you, uh, anyway, but we're not going to do that because you'll be sore for about three days. But uh, no prayer, no power, no Bible, no breakfast. I wonder how much more we can learn from this book if we would really commit ourselves to a daily healthy spiritual relationship with God through his word. And I, I listen, I get it. I know that our challenge, it's mine also, is the busyness of ministry in life. I say to young people in college, I believe this, the busier you get serving God, the more you have to fight to spend time with God. That may not make sense to you. And I understand our serving God is part of being with God. So you can psychoanalyze that statement if you want to. But I do believe that the busier we get serving God, the more you have to fight to spend time with God. And I'm not, I know who I'm speaking to this morning. I understand you love the Bible. I understand you want to be in God's Word. But just because we want to, it doesn't mean that we're doing it. 
May this be the most important possession you have ever, ever owned in your life. And by the way, you've got you've to get it down in your own heart. I cannot, I cannot, and I will not talk you into this. You've got to get it in your own heart that what, what I'm talking about is you believe that this book you hold in your hand is the preserved word of God. No doubt about it. I, I settled that as a 17, 18 years old. I understand some. It's a little later they do or whatever. But I, let, I, don't have to, I don't have to listen to, and it's always people that look spooky when they're talking to you about it. Do you realize that those aren't the same exact words? And they always got that spooky looking. I want to. I want to give him a gospel track. I want to slap. I want to slap the anyway. But uh, you know. But you know. But but seriously, you listen. You've got to decide. You've got to get the message while you're here. That this book is the most important possession in your life. What would absolutely bother you to lose? I hate to lose things. If it's a key, it drives me in a tizzy. Whatever that is. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Losing something just drives you nuts. I like to know where everything is. I get there, pick it up, and it's all good. And we just moved a couple months ago, and I was digging through some boxes, and I just was just frustrated as all get out. And um, kicked the dog if I had one, amen. But I was just, man, I was so frustrated. I hate to lose things. Well, I wonder, I wonder if we have that relationship with God's word this morning. Hey, get the message while you're here. Hey, by the way, it's not most important that you get a piece of paper when you walk across the platform. It's not most important. I finished. I got done. And, and listen, when you finish your course, praise the Lord, but you're just starting another one. The best is yet to come. You're going forward for God. But the most important thing is not getting a piece of paper, but that you get the message while you're here. Teenager, get the message while you're young. I am. There's not a person in this room that's more competitive than I am. You say, oh, I'll bet you on that. I'll bet you a buck on that. Amen. I'll bet you a Starbucks gift card on that. Amen. But I'm competitive. My wife, we finished breakfast this morning, and I was taking the elevator because I ate a lot, amen, and she said, I'm taking the stairs. She said, I'll beat you. I was pushing the close button on that thing. I was pushing the elevator up, and she still beat me. I hate to lose. It's like kissing your mother-in-law. There's no thrill in that. That's what I tell the kids at teen camp. They go home, and I wonder why the next year there's no teenagers there, you know. It's like kissing your mother-in-law. There's no thrill in that, amen. Hey, listen, I'm competitive. I am competitive. I love competition. I'm all in it. But the reality is, is the spiritual race is not a competition. It's really only a competition against yourself. It's not a competition. We're not in competition with each other. When, when people get saved and the other church, I mean, we all win. When God's blessing and God's working, we started a church in New Hampshire, and one of our God called out one of our men, and he started a church, and, and now his church is bigger than our church. I, I, don't, I don't like him anymore. And uh, he's not right with God. <laughs> you know, oh, hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. When somebody else wins, we all win. We're talking about the right thing. We're not talking about compromise. Get the message while you're here. The word of God is the most important possession you will ever own. I was with Brother DeCoster. Well, he's up in Maine. He's just an hour or two north of us. And I remember one time we were talking. We were having lunch together. And by the way, it just... <laughs> There are fewer people you'll meet in the life that love the Bible like Brother Jack DeCoster does. He just loves the Word of God. So I wonder why God's blessed him like he has. That's not a prosperity gospel message. That's just God's blessed him. And he'd, he'd say, boy, he'd say, Brother John, don't you just love to hug the Bible? And I remembered when my wife and I, when our boys were little, we'd teach them to hug their Bible. To hug their Bible. 
We wanted them to learn while they were young that their Bible is a lot more important than an Xbox and a TV and all that other kind of nonsense. By the way, hey, let me turn the coin on that one. I'm a grandpa now. And when my five-year-old grandson calls me and says, Papa, can you play Xbox? I don't care. what If he calls me right now, somebody overtake this message here because I'm going to play Xbox with him, amen? It's contrary to what I just said, but it's all good, amen? But, yeah, hey, listen. <laughs> you know, I love what somebody said. You said they're wrong, but then you said they were right. I didn't say they were right. I'm bipolar. Pray for me, amen? But, <laughs> but uh, and, you know, if he called me now, I'd say, listen, give me 15, 20 minutes, and I'll find the closest Xbox I can get, amen? Because it's okay when it's the grandkids, Brother Ashcraft, amen? It's all right. It's all good, you know? And he helps me. He knows at five how to play these games. I'm not going to tell you which ones. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's a Bible verse you got to memorize. But, but uh, anyway, the Word of God. Back to the Bible, amen? The Word of God is the most important possession. You're like, hey, get the message while you're here. Oh, get the message. And by the way, with your friendships, with your developed relationships, boy, fellas, you find you a young lady. Girls, you find you a young man. If they're never talking about the Bible. <laughs> One time I had a date with him. This is not my wife. This is a terrible illustration. I've already just killed this whole thing, but just going to keep sailing along here. But I had a date with a girl when I was in college. I said, so what do you think about the book of Hezekiah? She said, oh, I love that book. And I said, you're the weakest link. Goodbye. And... Uh, but, uh, oh, man, uh, you got you to gotta watch. You know, guys, it's just this an idea. That you'll never get any better marriage advice than Brother Ashcraft. You got to ask for his marriage. He'll tell you. He'll tell you how to do it. Amen. But uh, anyway, number one, the word of God, most important. Get, listen, get the message. Get the message. Live in this book every day. I've said it for these several last, I've said it as I've gone along on my journey. I'm more in my Bible at 54 years old than I've ever been in my life. Not because I'm trying to find another sermon, but because I need God. I'm telling you, I need God. And I get God through his, this is his love letter. This is his love letter to us. And this, you know it, it's inexhaustible. You read it and study it and you find something brand new you've never seen before. It's not new truth. It's the same old truth. But the Holy Spirit teaches something you never heard, never saw before. It's a living book. Books and people and things may change, unfortunately, over time. But this one never changes. The word of God. <clears throat> Get the message while you're here. The will of God is the most important purpose you'll ever have. The will of God. And by the way, Paul really warned Timothy about continuing the things. Again, back to the Bible. Paul said to Timothy, he said, continue. Remember, from a child you were taught the Holy Scriptures. And this is not a message just to say to you, shame on you if you're changed. But I would say to us, shame on us if we change. And I'm not talking about changing for the right, but I'm talking about changing because of popularity. Changing even, believe it or not, some will change. Some of you will leave this college and you'll go somewhere and you'll change because you don't feel like you're being successful at what you're doing. And you're peeking over the fence and you're seeing somebody. And by the way, I'm for growth. I'm not knocking growth. If we had five last Sunday, I'm shooting somebody and hoping two more come amen but i'm uh, listen i'm all listen we're not criticizing that but i'm gonna tell you something when you when you get in the trenches and you start a church and you've got you know the first sunday of state line baptist church i don't remember we had 30 something i think in church sunday night first sunday night state line baptist church it was me my wife my children and my mother-in-law who mercy i preached for five hours that night amen man I, i'm just kidding sweetheart but uh 
Hey, listen, you wait till you've been in the trenches for a little while and you've got five or ten people and you've been there five years. And, and I'm, not, I'm not being negative or pessimistic here, but I'm going to tell you something. You see somebody across the way or somebody, boy, they're having some kind of a podcast and I'm not against podcast. Everything's got to have a disclaimer nowadays. You know, I'm not against this. But, but uh, please, would you understand? You're seeing, boy, they've really got it going on. And, oh, they're not compromising, they say. And before you know it, you see that there's difference. There must be some non-negotiables. There must be. The doctrine of Christ is a non-negotiable. And when a false Bible changes the doctrine, that's a non-negotiable. I don't need to listen to all the nonsense. And I'm not harping here. I'm just saying, get the message while you're here. The word of God is the most important possession you'll ever own. The will of God is the most important purpose you'll ever have. And I'm suggesting to you this morning, it's a whole other message and messages about the will of God. The will of God, I believe with all my heart, is the right now. The right now. I have no desire to squelch your dreams and your visions. I wouldn't dare touch that with a 10-foot pole between you and God. But I would say to you, you are in the here and now. I challenge you, any person that you see that God used in the Bible, I challenge you to show me different where there was somebody that was... All they were dreaming about was the future. Joseph had a dream God gave to him, but he lived in the here and now. Anybody God ever called to do greater things were people that were consumed with the will of God right then and there. David is the classic example. Anybody in the Bible? Show me anybody in the Bible. David wasn't, you know this. It's almost unfair to you to make this kind of a statement here, but David wasn't looking to be a king. David wasn't even looking to kill a Goliath. David was just obedient to his dad. David was just being faithful. You want God to do great things one day, and I hope you do. I hope every person in this room says, man, I want God to do greater in me than I could ever imagine. Well, just a a resolution, a a revelation here we have today. We have today. We have plans for these gospel crusades, and I, I look at them so carefully that we would not lose the value of right now. Arena, uh, 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 who's been our waitress at the hotel, been uh, very, very kind, gave her a gospel tract yesterday, and we're praying we'll be able to witness to her while we're there. Would you pray for Raina that she'll come to Christ if she's not saved already? We've got the here and now. I don't want to be so. I don't want to be so consumed about then. And by the way, we, the eternal perspective is we're with him for eternity, but he always brings us back to the here and now, the will of God. The will of God. You young people are asked this question. Where's, where's, uh, where's Cassie at? Where's Brother Jones' daughter? Where's she at? Boy, she got, it's funny. I asked her all the same. I asked her questions. There. So what, what grade are you in school? And, and then my wife came along a couple minutes later at the Wanger's house. And my wife asked her the same exact questions, you know. And boy, I asked you questions. What are you going to do? What are you going to do one day? What are you going to do when you graduate? You know, that's a good question. I have some idea, but I'm living in the here and now. You with me on that? The will of God. The will of God is the most important purpose you will ever have. Find the will of God. You've heard it before, but to, to learn the will of God is the greatest discovery. To know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To do the, greatest, the will of God is the greatest achievement. The will of God today, right now. Don't just leave, uh, live in a dream world of, oh, I can't wait to all these things I get to do one day. Lay it on the side. Keep those. You don't have to be nervous about it. Because if it's God's will, God will make it to come to fruition. But live in the right now. I wasn't a bus captain in college because it was preparation for pastoring one day. I loved those people like they were a church. And I wasn't their pastor. I never called myself pastor. I was under the pastor. I was a servant. It was an honor. 
but I gave it, I, I gave it my best. I looked at it as my, my golden opportunity, and that's yours today. The will of God, the most important purpose you'll ever have. The way of God is the most important plan you can ever offer. You know, you go to the book of Acts. Pastor mentioned talking about doing a study in the book of Acts, and the early believers, of course, the Bible says they were first called Christians at Antioch, but a thread line you'll find in the book of Acts, they were called people, they were called people of the way. Of the way. Those of that way, the way of God. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Acts 16, verse 17. Acts 18, verses 25 and 26. I have the verses and the, what they say. Acts 19, 9. But when divers were uh, hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. They were people of that way. And this is just a reminder, it's such a great place this morning, and I mean that, that the way of God, the way of salvation is the greatest plan we can ever offer. I believe you're learning it while you're here, but get the message while you're here. One time when I was in college, I heard Brother Ray Young say, don't let your best days be your days when you were at Hiles Anderson College. And I'm not really interested in just telling stories about what God used to do. I want to see God do it today. The way of God. Peter preached at Pentecost. I love, I, I almost love Acts chapter 4 as much as I love Acts chapter 3. And chapter 2 and chapter 3. Or in chapter 3 and chapter 4, when Peter and John go to the temple at the hour of prayer. I think it's chapter 3. It's either chapter 3 or chapter 4. You help me with that afterwards. And Chapter 3. One of our missionaries helped me out here. Amen. Chapter 3. I love it though. Peter and John, they go to the temple at the hour of prayer. Peter wasn't call, get all caught up in signing Bibles after 3,000 people saved at Pentecost. Amen. I love it. And you can tell I watched too much Tom and Jerry when I was a kid. Amen. Y'all pray for me. But I just love this. I love how Peter and John, they go to the temple and they walk by one man. One man who would not have done anything for them. And Peter invested in him. The way of God, don't ever get over that one person that may bother your timetable. They may, they may not appear to be somebody. Man, shame on us for even thinking this way. The lame that you preacher uh, talked about last night. Those that are blind that can't see, the deaf that can't, cannot hear, the lame that cannot walk. Those that maybe wouldn't uh, do anything back for us and how ridiculous for us to look at it that way. Don't ever get over the, the, the opportunity to be a personal soul winner. Amen. The way of God. Sharing the gospel with the lost. Hey, you know this, they're all around us, even here in Texas, right? They're all around us. They're certainly all around us in New England. Matter of fact, we were at the breakfast table this morning with the Ashcrafts, and this lady walked up, and she said, she said to me, she said, Sir, I just got to tell you, boy, your voice reminds us of somebody else we know, and boy, it's just been sweet to hear you talking over here. I thought to myself, I hope I didn't say anything like I haven't here this morning. Nothing offensive, amen, just all polished, amen, and polished, but, uh, and I said, man, boy, I sure, I hope I didn't say anything. Oh, no, no, we just enjoyed hearing you talking. So I thought, I thought, man, what a great opportunity to give her a track. So I pulled out one of our church tracks and, from our church, and I said, hey, let me give these to your reach. Oh, no, no, I don't, what did she say? I don't do that. I'm not into that. <laughs> she said, get over here. <laughs> but, but uh, no, I didn't say that. I just spilled my orange juice on the floor and prayed for her. But this was not the waitress. We're praying for her, amen. But, but, but uh, she's so nice. I thought, good night. What a golden opportunity. To give her a track and say, oh, no, no. And she walked backwards like I had the bubonic plague, like I had COVID, you know. Oh, no, 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 we don't, we're not into that. Oh, man, I thought, what? this world is a mess. Boy, this world needs Jesus, right? 
Don't ever get over the way of God. I think back, and it convicts me in my heart, Brother Gray. I think about how zealous I was, and I don't want to lose that zeal. I want to have zeal with knowledge. I don't want to lose that, that desire to really care. I'm not, I'm not talking about so we can have a sermon illustration or so we can have a bus illustration, but to really care about individuals. I love to think about the life of Christ. He left crowds to minister to people by ones. Chew on that one for a little while. He loved multitudes, but he left multitudes to minister to people by ones. Think about that for a moment. That's what he did everywhere he went. And, man, thank God, every person, the more they come, the more they can hear at one time, hear the gospel. No doubt about it. But he left the crowds to go to people by ones. The way of God, don't, listen, get the message while you're here. It's not just a part of this college. It's not just the way those IFBs do it. It's the way a child of God's supposed to do it. It's not our plan. It's not our method. It's God's method. Get the message while you're here. Get the message while you're here. Please get the message while you're here. But walk with God is the most important path you can ever observe. Your walk with God. I personally don't know if there's anything you should get more. They're all important. There's not a one, two, three, four, five, but then cultivating, and I think part of that is our relationship with God's word, but your personal walk with God. All four of our sons went through Bible college and there would be, not, not daily and not, not weekly even, but there would be times when I'd ask them, how, how are you and God doing? You and God, not you and your girlfriend, not you and your studies, not you and your job. How are you and how are your, and they knew what I was talking about. How's your walk with God going? Well, I'm kind of busy. You're going to have to fight just the busyness of a wonderful. Listen, I'm 54. I'm living the dream and loving the journey. I'm, I am just loving. Appreciate what the preacher said, Brother Ashraf. I'm loving serving the Lord. Yes, there's burden, no doubt about it. And I believe you're glad you're here, but you learn to cultivate that walk with God. It is the greatest challenge. I think our greatest discipline that we face challenge with is our prayer lives and our walk with God. I, and some of you, that may not be the case, but I'm... I'm fairly sure for most of us that's the case. Last illustration. How many of you have ever heard preachers say that before? <laughs> Last illustration. In October of 2012, just a little over 10 years ago, I ran the Hartford Marathon. You say, yeah, right. <laughs> I see that thing, that gut behind the pulpit. Well, I'm hiding it right now. And, uh, but 10 years ago, I ran the, it was only full marathon. I've ran some halves, some Planning to, I'm planning, and sh- I was going to run a half marathon this June until I had meals here for the last two days. But uh, I ran the Hartford Marathon. I think 20, 30,000 30, participants in it. How many of you ever run a marathon before? Maybe ever run a marathon. How many of you have ran 26.2 miles from your wife? How many of you men have ever done that? All right. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. But I ran the Hartford Marathon. I looked it up, and I don't know if this is still the record of it, but I came in 1,408th place. Now, I didn't stop, and I, and, and I finished. You say, That's, you don't want to laugh at me because you already pity me because you've, you've almost heard the whole message. And you say, preacher, that's, that's pretty bad. Well, it may be pretty bad. I'm not really, I had to look it up. I didn't, I didn't go right to the ledger afterwards and say, I wonder, how, I wonder what place I got. You know, I was just glad I still was alive when I was finished, you know. After the first mile, this elderly lady's on the sidelines, and 
She said, by the way, the, the term elderly is very relative nowadays. It's very relative. But an elderly lady is on the sideline. She said, keep on running, Sonny. You're almost finished. And I wanted to slap her with the gospel like I wanted the other person, you know. And uh, keep on running, Sonny. You're almost finished. I was like, dude, what are you, are you crazy? I just finished a mile. Here, borrow my glasses, lady. You're crazy, you know. But I'm going to tell you what. I loved doing it. I worked for about 10 months and worked hard. And I, lo I, love, I really enjoy running. I love to run. So far, my doctor keeps telling me I need to do biking and not running. And, and I'll come here maybe five years from now and say, yeah, he was right. <laughs> and, uh, but I love to run. But you know what? When I ran that Hartford Marathon, I wasn't running against anybody else. I wanted to finish. I wanted to finish. And it was really cool and really awesome. There's people, you've probably seen at marathons, people on the sidelines all the way, really, especially at the end, just cheering for you. You're like staggering across, you know. <laughs> You know, what, what's my name? <laughs> you know, you just baked. You just gone, you know. But I finished. But, you know, I'm going to say this to you. <clears throat> it really doesn't matter. And I, I understand sports, boy, you, you lay it all on the field. You give it 100%. We get that. But in the Christian race, which is a lifelong marathon, the Christian race is a lifelong marathon. The matter is not. It does not matter to finish first. And it doesn't even matter just to finish. It matters to finish right. To finish right. And that's why Paul was very strong. Read 2 Timothy, chapter, read 2 Timothy through the lens of Paul very passionately saying to Timothy, stay the course, son. Continue. Continue. So I say to us, what an amazing Staff, in fact, I say that just, I love it. I love what God's doing here. It's awesome. It's amazing. Leadership, let's continue. Young people, you're getting the message. Well, you just, you thought you were until you heard this and say, what in the world is he talking about? Get the message while you're here. And then when you get out there, continue. Continue. There are things we do need to change, but there are a lot of things we cannot change. Again, according to God's word, they're non-negotiables. It doesn't matter if you lose friends. It doesn't matter if you, a, a crowd gets cut in half because, or whatever, popularity, doesn't matter. Failure, doesn't matter. We must get the message. Don't be a himiaz, be kushai. And boy, how, oh, just to get the heart of King David. This is a beautiful picture. Really, it's a beautiful type of God's love for us, really. How heartbroken David was about his son and his servants, and then Joab the next chapter. Joab slams him the next chapter. Joab just never got it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't get it, but you get it while you're here. You can see it, Brother Gray, sometimes with just a sweet look, a passionate look in the eyes, and that they want it. And for those that don't, we love you, but maybe, maybe God can change your heart today and say, you know what, I'm not coming here for a piece of paper. I'm coming here to get the message. So that however long of a race God gives to me, I stay the course. I cross that finish line one day with my last, last breath, and God says, well done. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. 
please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.